Hi, I'm Denise Bailey. And I'm Dr. Monica Parker. And you're listening to My Parents Are Now My Kids, a medical doctor's view and daughter's journey through memory loss and other dementias. As a doctor, I'll help you navigate through the often confusing, confounding, and frequently frustrating technical aspects of dementia. And as a daughter, I'll share with you some things I've experienced caring for and loving my parents who both struggled with these disorders. We want you to have hope and to see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And we'll tell you that sometimes that light is coming straight at you and you just have to get out of the way. Let's get started. Hi, Dr. Monica. Hi, Dr. Denise. <laughs> we have not been together in a while, have we? No, we're having some family challenges here. <laughs> yes, we are. My goodness, I'll get into that later in the course of our conversation. But that's what we're going to kind of touch on today, like being a caregiver and managing options. Got any advice for me? A little bit. Now, you are the caregiver for one person. Yes. Now it is one. Okay. And frequently, a caregiver has a responsibility of taking care of and managing more than one person. So because we we talk mainly about persons living with dementia, it can be two people, two parents living with you that have dementia, or it can be one person living with dementia and another family member who has another chronic illness or disease um, that requires your attention as well. So caregiving stress is frequently a, a term used to describe some of the frustration and aggravation, if you will, of being a caregiver for not just one person, but maybe two people. So today, you know, talking about caregiving options, that's something we need to start looking at a little bit more carefully. So let's, uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Yes, let's, because, you know, it seems like things always default back to the pandemic, but I can use that as an example before the pandemic, caregiving for my parents and now just my mother was a little difficult, but it's even more difficult now because I have fewer options. Obviously, I was able to call a village of people like we always talk about in the past, but now that village has gotten smaller because you have to be more discerning about who you bring into your environment. Um, because of what's going on. So my options are smaller and slimmer. One of the things that we've always talked about, and, and the pandemic has helped give rise to some of this, and I've always told caregivers they need to get an education about whatever disease process it is they're working with, and advocacy groups for Alzheimer's, it's the Alzheimer's Association. For heart disease, it may be the Heart Association. So as a caregiver, we need to become better educated about what our roles, what the disease is that's affecting our relatives, such that we understand signs and symptoms that indicate we need to to consult with somebody else. That's first thing. But in the day-to-day -day life, you've talked about options, okay? So you're a single daughter living with 
at one point in time, both parents who needed care because they were both demented and in frail health. Right. And now you have just one person. But your caregiving situation was you had a caregiver who came in to help manage your mother and father, who prepared their meals, who took care of their day-to-day needs. And when you needed to go somewhere, you could call another friend who went to church with your father to come sit with both of them. Absolutely. And then when your father wasn't there, he came to sit with your mother, right? So you had in-home personal care. You didn't necessarily pay for a professional. You got friends to help sit with your mother. And you did have a paid in-home caregiver. But the other option that you had that you tried for a little while, and a lot of us use have used this, was the uh, adult daycare program, mm-hmm. which, because of the pandemic, no longer exists. <laughs> right. And, you know, it's interesting that you say that. I obviously didn't, you know, stop doing it because of the pandemic, but they're not really in existence like they were anymore, are they? No, my mother went. And so we have to help people understand why those things aren't there. So because of the pandemic, a lot of our adult day programs ended because it was difficult to manage the disease states, the immunization status of a lot of people who were coming, not just the uh, persons living with the disorders who most families had them immunized, But the problem came with the people who were running the programs. Everybody didn't want to get immunized. So the caregiving program that my mother went to just shut down. They just said, we just can't do it. They tried to come back. And then after everybody had been immunized and proved that they'd been immunized, somebody came down with COVID. And so they couldn't take the risk of contaminating or making other people ill. So they just shut down. To be determined at a later time. In that stead, though, in in that space now, some adult day programs have opted to have a Zoom option that still allows some socialization because that is, you know, adult day is a type of respite care. And while it may not be ideal, Zoom respite, Zoom daycare for your affected person is one option that becomes available. That's interesting. So they, just like we do Zoom, everyone else does Zoom and they sort of sit them up for a certain amount of time per day and let them interact if they are able to. Yeah, yeah. Well, like for example, the class that uh, my mother attends, they have three one-hour sessions during the day. They come at 10 They come at noon, they come at 3 p.m., and they come at 5 p.m. So they have an hour of activity, whether it's a word game or they do some chair exercises. That is something. But it requires you as the caregiver to be present because you got to turn on the machine and make sure that their faces are seen. Um, But that is a caregiving option. Um, another option is to continue with in-home, paid in-home care. But when you have a direct worker coming in, you as a family member still have to verify immunization status. Right. And that's that's what I found is my difficulty. Some of my friends will say I'm a little paranoid about things like that. <laughs> um, 
uh, our listeners can't see her rolling her eyes at me because I am a little paranoid about that. I have been not wanting to bring other people into the environment because, of course, my mother has Alzheimer's, but she's also, you know, medically frail. And so I have just taken it all upon myself and not called people unless it's an extreme circumstance. And I can count on one hand during this two-year pandemic that I've allowed someone else into my home while I had to go and do something that was absolutely necessary. So yeah, it's it's hard. It really is hard. It's hard. And while I understand the concern for the caregiver's mental health, it's not good to be tied to to be the only one who can deliver the, the care or the service. So you have to still be free to go for a walk so that you can clear your head. You still have to give yourself some time to have a decent night's rest and to do the things that make you you. Um, you know, we can now go back to the beauty parlor. We can now go back to the manicurist and the pedicurist. I mean, you pick whatever it is you think you need to do for yourself, but the two or three hours a day that you need to spend on yourself is very important and shouldn't be neglected. Um, I frequently tease you about being over careful, but um, it's not enough. You have to be careful. You have to require that people be immunized to take care of your folks. But if there are people in your network, in your village of caregiving um, supporters who will be happy to sit with your mother for an hour or two, take advantage of that. We need to build some of that in so that you can clear your head so that you don't become overwhelmed. And because when you become overwhelmed and overstressed, you become ill. And if you become ill as the caregiver, you can't provide the kind of care and assistance that's needed to take care of your um, your loved one who needs you more than you need her, <laughs> okay, or him, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And for some of us who have had some difficulties being shut in, shut up, and still being shut in and shut up, um, we might need to have the health services of a mental health professional, some people don't acknowledge anxiety in their increased anxiety, their increased depression. And it's sort of like, well, how do you know you are? Well, you know, you are when you can't sleep, when you can't make a decision, when you have difficulty concentrating. Mm -hmm. And that means that you probably need to get to see a counselor of some sort, whether you want to see a pastoral counselor who can help allay some of your fears and do some emotional uh, support rebuild for you, or you need some medications that may help you with your anxiety or your mood. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be afraid to confer with a mental health professional, whether that is a psychiatrist who will prescribe medicines, a licensed psychologist who does counseling but doesn't prescribe medicines, or maybe it's pastoral counseling who can, those people don't prescribe medicines, but they can help relieve some of the pressure. And, you know, that's a type of respite that you need to have to help continue with your journey. As things open up, you know, we may have 
some return to some adult day programs. But for the foreseeable future, being concerned about inviting strangers in your home is going to be with us for a minute. We're going to have to do more searching for other options. So adult daycare is not an option anymore. It becomes Zoom classes and Zoom interaction. That helps with social isolation for them. It helps a little bit with you. And if your folks can manage a, a keyboard and manage a Zoom call, um, that gives you maybe 30 minutes a piece. <laughs> Something to take advantage of. That is true. And you're talking about maybe uh, caregivers like myself may not immediately go to the psychologist or psychiatrist route, but having someone to talk to, to sort of be able to vent and to also have that respite moment, if it's mm-hmm. only an hour or two a week, to right. just talk things out. It's it's like a release. That is that is something to and, be said for that. And for people who may not have that uh, pastoral counsel, would you suggest a dear, dear friend giving you that you space? To, yeah, you can talk to a dear friend. You know, we always say girlfriends are our first, re- you know, our, our first rescue. But um, for families living with dementia, a lot of the organizations, the Alzheimer's, any advocacy organization, like, for example, the Alzheimer's Association, a lot of the support groups have moved to an online model. And so we can find online support groups to become a part of. And so that does become a little bit of a respite. But I think that one of the things that I favor, in addition to education and joining some of these online resources, is cultivating family members or associates who have been in the orbit before to take a little bit more, take on a role. And you're not asking them to do a whole lot, but that one or two hours a day is important for you. You know, for me as a working healthcare professional, I have to leave my house just to go to work. But honestly, being able to go to lunch by myself and I've learned with the dietitian to have some pleasure in the meal that I have. Like in my house, we don't eat beef all the time. But I have to say that I had a great time eating a real hamburger a couple of weeks ago all by myself. <laughs> it's the small things that you notice now that mm-hmm. give pleasure and um, give you a little break from your everyday caregiving or working duties. You're right. It's the small yeah. things. I think this pandemic has taught us to appreciate the mundane and the simple. That's yeah. what I've learned. A nice cup of coffee. <laughs> Absolutely. A cup of coffee by yourself with maybe a little tea cake or shortcake. Um, and maybe none of that. Maybe it's just sitting up by yourself, listening to some music and not focusing on anybody but your own calmness. Yes, yes. I found that my mother sleeps a little bit later now, actually a lot later. So I have that time in the morning sometimes, which is great. I'll turn on the music on my smart TV and just enjoy a little jazz and, you know, have my own breakfast by myself. I feel a little guilty sometimes that I'm not eating with my mother, but that comes later. But that's my moment, you know, 
in the morning. And that helps. Yeah, well, you did something else. And I want to, I think we should share this with our listeners. It's a way to amuse. Um, and it was really pretty positive. Um, you took your mother on a date to Whole Foods. Now, somebody would say, this is not a good idea. That's out in the public. But if you're socially distanced, you've been immunized, she's been immunized. Yeah, we take some risks, but, you know, to go to Whole Foods, to go through the bar, pick out some food, let her pick over whatever it is she wants to eat. As she looks at everybody, she actually eats better and you get a little bit of a break. <laughs> you can eat something you want to eat. Yes, yes. So, little Whole Foods outing is a good idea. Absolutely. And and I want our listeners to know we are not sponsored by Whole Foods. <laughs> but that is a place that my mother really enjoys because prior to the pandemic, she and my father loved buffets. But, you know, me being that slightly paranoid person that I am, I can't take her to the traditional buffets anymore. But I just feel that Whole Foods is a place that she feels like she has a choice. She gets to see people. There are not a lot of people. And she can sit, like you said, and be social and look around as though she's at a fabulous dinner party attended by a thousand of her not closest friends. (laughs) (laughs) And she will eat. So, yes, that's my little respite with my mother and I don't feel guilty because I'm including her. So listeners, if you are able to take your loved one into a controlled public environment to change their perspective and to give a little break to yourself, do it. Mm -hmm. It does wonders. It does. And the thing that's nice about, yeah, we're talking about whole foods But the thing that's nice about most commercial establishments is they put things in place to help you maintain sanitation. You know, the plastic gloves, they distance things. Some some of them have servers, but they fix the seating in areas such that you are not close to anybody. And they're very attentive to the cleanliness of the place. Although those are the rest of us who are super controlling always have our own set of... um, Clorox wipes <laughs> and hand sanitizers so that we can wipe off the table and do other things. But that provides an outing yes, and a little bit of a relief. And the nice thing is you can get, um, you can get something to eat that satisfies everybody and pack up enough so that you can take it home with you. <laughs> so Absolutely. That you and you don't have to cook. You have a twofer. <laughs> you don't have to cook. Well, that's perfect, Dr. Monica. I think um, we were able to just have a little conversation today and and hopefully in our conversation, we let other caregivers know that they're not alone. They may be experiencing, you know, little difficulties in caregiving during this pandemic, but they have options and they have outlets. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Monica. Thank you, Dr. Denise. See you next time. Okay. Please follow us on Twitter, MPMK at MPMK Podcast. And on Facebook, My Parents Are Now My Kids. And on Instagram, My Parents Are Now My Kids. 
See you next time.